0: Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website is scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, today we are starting a new series. We're kind of just moving forward from the book of Romans and right into another epistle of Paul, the book of Corinthians. The book of Corinthians is really a general theme, um, uh, but mostly it covers Christian conduct. And then, of course, there's a lot of revelation and truth uh, concerning the resurrection uh, that we'll find throughout the study as well. Here's a short paragraph from Matthew Henry Henry about the book of Corinthians. First Corinthians, he says, the Corinthian church contains some Jews, but more Gentiles. And the apostle had to contend with the superstition of one and the sinful conduct of the other. The peace of the church was disturbed by false teachers who undermined the influence of the apostle. Two parties were the result, one contending earnestly for the Jewish ceremonies and the other indulging in the excess contrary to the gospel, to which they were especially led by the luxury and the sins which prevailed around them. This epistle was written to rebuke some disorderly conduct of which the apostle had been apprised and to give advice as to some points wherein his judgment was requested by the Corinthians. So I'm going to stop right there with that part of the commentary. You know, it's not much different than today. We have those who are severely into the law and ceremonies and rites to the point where they're no longer even thinking and talking about Jesus. It's just Torah, Torah, Torah. But on the other side, we have, instead of meeting somewhere in the middle, what we have is complete apostasy and ridiculous sinful behavior by the church and by Christians today. And, you know, the scriptures tell us that Christ has set us free from sin, not free to sin. But it seems to me like the general idea is that well we're set free to sin. They they don't understand that you're not supposed to be a slave to sin anymore because of the power of Christ and because of the holy spirit that dwells within you. But that's not what I see as a majority when I when I deal with Christians today. Most of them think that it's that there's no harm in what they do. They're free to sin, their little hearts out. But it's that's not what you should have been set free from. The bondage was the sinful behavior. Let me give you a couple examples, and then we will start our study in the book of Corinthians. So right back to Romans. Romans chapter 8 says, For there there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set you free from the law of sin and death. John says, so if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. John 8:36. Romans 6:14 says, "For sin shall not be your master." Sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. You see, he's saying you're not under the law but under grace, but what is the outcome? The outcome is that sin is no longer your master. Romans 6:18 says, "You have been set free from sin" And have become a slave to righteousness. You have been set free from sin. And have become a slave to righteousness. Let me give you one more. Romans 6.22. These are all verses that we've covered in the last few weeks in our study of Romans. But now that you have been set free from sin. And have become slaves to God. The fruit you reap leads to holiness, and the outcome is eternal life. I mean, it's so clear, friends. It's so clear. You should. You're no longer a slave to sin. What are you a slave to? Righteousness, holiness, and the fruit should be the outcome of that relationship that you have with Christ. Well, off to the off to a good start here. Let's go ahead and get into the Book of Corinthians, and he and you know he's going to start. His conversation with making very clear that his doctrine is is that if you believe upon Christ, you've been called to do so. And we're going to see that in his kind of language here in the first chapter of the book of Corinthians. Alright, let's begin. Corinthians, chapter 1, King James Bible. Verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and the Susanus our brother. Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So right out of the gate, he, he says, he says, I'm Paul. I'm a called apostle. And I'm writing unto you this church in Corinth, to them that are being sanctified. So those are who are who are you know being renewed right day by day. Called by God to be saints. Verse 4: I thank my God always on your behalf. For the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. That in everything you are enriched by him. In all utterance. And in all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So that you come behind in no gift. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you. Unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So please note, we have a loaded statement here that we kind of have to look at just a little bit deeper. So let me grab those two verses here again. So that you come behind in no, so that you come behind. In no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, so he's saying, you you're waiting on the coming of the Lord, who, when he does come, shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he mean when he says that you will be confirmed? Well, that word, interesting enough, that Greek word means to actually cause someone to believe. So confirm, it means to cause to believe or to establish in belief. Paul is saying that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to establish you in belief, cause you to believe to the end so that you'll be blameless in the day of his return. Paul uses similar language to this, and this is the type of language that we should find super comforting, right? Like, it's it's not really your efforts that's going to get you there. It's Christ is causing you. He's confirming you. He's sanctifying you. He's the one doing this work in you. Philippians, if we go to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6, one of my favorite verses in all of... The New Testament, he's saying, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he, which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the, unto the day of Jesus Christ. He's saying, you can be confident about this fact that if Christ has begun a work in you, he's going to finish it. He's not going to get you halfway there and then be like, you know what? This is too much work and cast you off to the side. If you've been called, if you've been drawn to him and he's began a work in you, he's going to complete it until the day of his return. And you can be confident knowing that it is him. It is the work of God. Not your own efforts. that's going to get you there. God is. Is helping you to believe. God is confirming you. Verse 9 Why? Why is this? God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, he's using that language. Christ is going to confirm you to that day. He's going to cause you to believe. He's going to establish you in belief because God is faithful to those who he has called unto fellowship with his Son. Verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Lest any of you should say that I had baptized in my own name. Alright, so please note what's happening here. First of all, there's a lot of contentions. And he's saying, you guys are supposed to be of the same mind. Like all this arguing and debating. That's not what you should be doing. Furthermore, one of the problems is they're like, well, I'm a follower of this teacher. I'm a follower of that teacher. He's saying, and some of them are even saying, well, I'm a follower of Paul. And so they're creating divisions. It's almost, think about it like we have today. We have denominations, right? Well, I'm a Calvinist. I'm a Lutheran. In my mind, what Paul's is ad- addressing here is not much different. Paul, and then Paul goes on to say, "Hey, did I was I crucified for you? Like, why are you doing this? I'm a follower of Paul thing, or I'm a follower of Apollos, or I'm a follower of Cephas thing. It was Christ that died for you, and that's what you're, that's your foundation, and you guys ought to be like minded in all these things. So that's the problem he's up against." Verse 17, or verse 16, And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross should be made of none effect. What's he mean there? You don't have to preach the gospel with some type of... Wild elegance or fancy words. all you need is the simplicity of it. Christ died. God rose him again three days later. He died for our sins. If you believe upon that, you'll be saved. Keep it simple. He says, but I haven't I'm, I'm a preacher of the gospel. And I don't use all these clever words, otherwise it should be made of non-effect. Verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. It's simply this. Those who are called by Christ, called by God, into this relationship, To us, there's no better news. There's no more incredible story than that Christ was crucified for us. But to those who are perishing, the gospel sounds like nonsense. To those who are perishing, it sounds foolish and ridiculous. Like, who could possibly believe that nonsense? That's what Paul's getting at. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in wisdom of God, the power by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching to save them that believe. See, to the world this is all nonsense. This is all silliness. But not to those who God has called. Verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So he's he, he realizes he's dealing with two different groups here two different problems and so he's making a distinction he's saying the Jews you're always looking for a sign what did what did Jesus say A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign but to the gentiles what are they, they're always seeking wisdom like right I mean you see this in culture today Everything's about science. It's all about man's wisdom, isn't it? For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Isn't that true? There's so much to chew on here. Christ crucified is a stumbling block to the Jews because it, it doesn't really fit with uh, their oral traditions and with their with the stuff that's outside of the Old Testament, outside of the Torah. So it's a stumbling block for them, and it doesn't really fit with the rabbinic teachings. But then to the Greeks, it seems like foolishness because it doesn't line up with their idea of science and how the world works. But to them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And he says, a lot of those who are considered wise and a lot of those in high, noble Positions aren't called. Check this out. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty, and not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, none of us are going to stand before God and go, Look what I accomplished. Are we? Two more verses. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according to as it is written, he that glorify, let him glory in the Lord. You see, we can't boast about our own flesh. We can't boast about our own accomplishments and how amazing of a righteous and holy life we live through, through our own power and strength and efforts, all we can really boast about is what Christ has done for us. And how little old us, who, were, who for the most part we've been pretty insignificant in this world, God has chosen us. He's given us wisdom that confounds the brilliance of those in high places. He's making fools out of them. And one day Christ is going to return and there's going to be a great separation, isn't there? And those that the world despised are going to go into eternity with God. And then those who have lifted themselves up and exalted themselves and thought of themselves as as God will go into eternal damnation and they will be ashamed on that day. And their wealth and their self-imposed brilliance which isn't really brilliance at all it's actually foolishness but in the world's eyes it's brilliance but we all know it's foolishness. None of those things are going to matter on that day all that's going to matter is where you called did you believe upon Jesus my faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness right you know the hymn Either your house is built on that rock or it's built on the sinking sand and if it's if it's not on Christ, then everything else is sinking sand right You know the hymn those hymns had a, were were riddled with truth and doctrine back in the day. All right, I feel like I'm rambling. There's chapter 1 of the book of Corinthians. I pray that the, this series will be a blessing to you, and I just pray that I would do a good job. So I ask that you'd be praying for me and that uh, God would give me the wisdom to do this podcast in a way that, that pierces hearts and causes people to draw closer to him. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.